The Beetle by Richard Marsh. Chapter 45. All That Mrs. Henderson Knew. Mrs. Henderson put her hands upon her apron and smirked. Well, Mr. Phillips, it do sound strange to ear you talking to me like that. Anybody'd think I'd done something as I didn't ought to do a done to ear you going on. As for what's happened, I'll tell you all I know with the greatest willingness on earth. And as for being careful, there ain't no call for you to tell me to be that. For that I always am, as by now you ought to know. Yes, I do know. Is that all you have to say? Really, Mr. Phyllis, what a man you are for catching people up, you really are. Of course that ain't all I got to say. Ain't I just to come into it? Then come. If you presses me so you'll muddle me up, and then if I do happen to make a error, you'll say I'm a liar, when goodness knows there ain't no more truthful woman not in Limehouse. Words plainly trembled on the inspector's lips, which he refrained from uttering. Mrs. Henderson cast her eyes upwards as if she sought for inspiration from the filthy ceiling. So far as I can swear, it might have been an hour ago, or it might have been an hour and a quarter, or it might have been an hour and twenty minutes. We're not particular as to the seconds. When I ears the knocking at my front door, and when I comes to open it, there was a Harrod party with a great bundle on his head bigger nor hisself, and two other parties along with him. This Harrod party says, in that queer foreign way them Harrod parties as a talkin', a room for the night, a room. Now, I don't much care for foreigners, and never did, especially them Harrods with their abbots ain't my own. So I as much as ins the same. But this year Harrod party, he didn't seem to quite foller of my meaning. For all he done was to say as he said afore, a room for the night, a room. And he shoves a couple of crowns in my hand. Now it's always been a matter of mine that money is money, and one man's money is as good as another man's. So, not wishing to be disagreeable, which other people would have taken em if I hadn't, I shows em up here. I'd been downstairs, it might have been arf a hour, when I ears a shindy a coming from this room. What sort of shindy? Yelling and shrieking? Oh my gracious, it was enough to set your blood all curdled. For ear-piercingness I never did ear nothing like it. We do have troublesome parties in here, like they do elsewhere, but I never did hear nothing like that before. I stood it for about a minute, but it kept on and kept on, and every moment I expected as the other parties as was in the house would be complaining. So up I comes and thumps at the door, and it seemed that thump I might for all the notice that was took of me. Did the noise keep on? Keep on? I should think it did keep on. Lord, love you. Shriek after shriek, I expected to see the roof took off. Were there any other noises? For instance, were there any sounds of struggling, or of blows? There weren't no sounds except of the party hollering. One party only? One party only, as I says afore, shriek after shriek. When you put your ear to the panel, there was a noise like some other party blubbering, but that weren't nothing. As for the hollering, you wouldn't have thought that nothing what you might call human could have kept up such a screeching. I thumps and thumps, and at last, when I did think that I should have had to have the door broke down, the Arab says to me from inside, Go away! I pay you for the room! Go away! I did think that pretty good, I tell you that. So I says, Pay for the room or not pay for the room. You didn't pay to make that shindy. And what's more, I says, If I hear it again, I says, Out you goes! And if you don't go quiet, I'll have somebody in as'll pretty quickly make you. Then was there silence? So to speak there was, only there was the sound as if some party was a blubberin'. 
and another sound as if a party was a panting for his breath. Then what happened? Seeing that, so to speak, all was quiet, down I went, and in another quarter of an hour, or it might have been twenty minutes, I went to the front door to get a mouthful of hair, and Mrs. Barker, who lives over the road at number twenty-four, she comes to me and says, that there Arab party of yours didn't stop long. I looks at her. I don't quite foller you, I says, which I didn't. I saw him come in, she says, and then a few minutes back I see him go again, with a great bundle on his head he couldn't hardly stagger under. Oh, I says, that's news to me. I didn't know he'd gone nor see him neither, which I didn't. So up I comes again, and sure enough the door was open, and it seems to me that the room was empty till I come upon this poor young man what was lying behind the bed. There was a growl from the doctor. If you'd had any sense and sent for me at once, he might have been alive at this moment. How was I to know that, Dr. Glossop? I couldn't tell. My finding him there murdered was quite enough for me. So I runs downstairs, and I nips old of Gustus Barley, what was leaning against the wall, and I says to him, Gustus Barley, run to the station as fast as you can, and tell him that a man's been murdered, that Harris been and killed a bloke. And that's all I know about it, and I couldn't tell you no more, Mr. Phillips, not if you was to keep on asking me questions, not for hours and hours. Then you think it was this man, with a motion towards the bed, who was shrieking? To tell you the truth, Mr. Phillips, about that I don't hardly know what to think. If you'd had asked me, I should have said it was a woman. I ought to know a woman's holler when I hear it, if anyone does. I've heard enough of them in my time. Goodness knows. And I should have said that only a woman could have hollered like that, and only her when she was raving mad. But there weren't no woman with him. There was only this man what's murdered and the other man. And as for the other man, I will say this, that he hadn't got two pennies worth of clothes to cover him. But, Mr. Phillips, howsomever that may be, that's the last harab I'll have under my roof, no matter what they pays. And you mark my words, I'll have no more. Mrs. Henderson, once more glancing upward, as if she imagined herself to have made some declaration of a religious nature, shook her head with much solemnity. End of chapter 45